We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Emin and Matt Weaver of Peaks.com. And we have a winter IU football update part two for you uh, coming, coming up. We have to talk coaching changes, uh, recruiting, what to expect heading into spring practice, where this program stands after a total whirlwind offseason, um, which we knew was going to be busy but not really this busy. So we'll get into that. Uh, but first a word from our sponsors over at Colorcast and Sports Drink. Colorcast is a, uh, is a live audio only sports talk platform. It's free to download and use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Uh, all you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whichever league you follow. Uh, we're come, uh, uh, come with your spiciest takes. Again, that is ColorCast. Also, today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. Uh, they're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats. Go check them out on uh, online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sports, S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. Uh, anyway, we bring in TJ Inman and Matt Weaver. Uh, Guys, how are you doing? TJ, we'll start with you and then get over to uh, Matt. Yeah, doing great. Uh, excited to, to talk about IU football. Certainly quite a few changes um, that uh, were slightly unexpected. Um, and I'm very curious to hear what Matt has to say about that. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Or I guess, how are you? We heard from TJ. I'm doing all right, hanging in there with school uh, and all that stuff. Uh, have not caught any weird diseases. Uh, that is the uh, cesspool of school, but we're hanging in there. Uh, spring football is coming, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, so it is. You're, 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 you root for the Jets, so you caught something. Uh, Stupidity is not a disease. Uh, <laughs> so. But I do root for the Yankees, so that makes up for it. Although there might not be any baseball this year, unfortunately. Um, anyway, back to IU football. Matt, it has been a very busy offseason. We expected it to kind of be busy with some coaching changes. Was this kind of not what you expected in terms of the coaches who did leave and move on? Yeah, I, I would say that it was surprising. I mean, you look at you had two coaches who were here for one season that left another coach. I think uh, um, uh, Kevin Peoples, I think he was here for two years. Um, and I think everybody kind of expected some kind of a shakeup with the OC, um, which happened with, you know, Coach Sheridan being dismissed and, and Walt Bell coming in. But, you know, I think some of the other changes were, were surprising um, just because, you know, they, they these coaches had just come in. I mean, they were brand new and, and, you know, um, in Warren's case, it was, I don't even know if you call it a lateral move. He's going from DC to co-DC. Um, but if, you know, he's more comfortable at, a, at a North Carolina, you know, that's understandable. And Peoples was obviously a lateral move. And then, you know, Coach McCullough, 
as far as program stature, Notre Dame is certainly a step up because it's Notre Dame. But, um, you know, and then if, if it was any other coach who came to Indiana for a year and left, I don't think it would raise the eyebrows that it did. But when it was a guy who left the NFL and basically sought out this job with Indiana, then leaves after a year, I think it's, it's kind of surprising. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say while I thought there'd be some coaching changes or staff changes, I'm sorry, just, I did not sure these are the ones I really, I saw coming. Uh, TJ, how about you? It, it's, I mean, I don't <laughs> think it, our opinion differs from, from Matt all that much it is how shocking has this off season been it, seeing McCullough leave and uh, Peoples and, and Charlton Warren? Well, I, I think that the first two uh, being, you know, Peoples and, and Warren, um, I, I don't think that there was all that much angst uh, about those departures. That's not to say that they're not good coaches, uh, and that's not to say that they, you know, would not have done a good job long-term at IU. Uh, we don't know that. Um, but I think it's safe to say that uh, the tenure for, for Charlton Warren was uh, underwhelming um, in his first season. And then uh, Kevin Peoples, I uh, don't have any concrete evidence or or um, any you know scientific reasoning to back this up. Um, but I, I I was never particularly impressed with the caliber of guys that that he was bringing in. Um, so I wasn't you know broken up about those, and I actually feel really good about the the way that those positions were replaced. Um, the McCullough one, twofold. It's a guy that, that you felt like, okay, the, the next time he's going to leave IU, but when that happens, it's to be a college head coach. That was sort of the trajectory that I think logically made sense was, all right, he's leaving the NFL, coming back to college, wants to be involved in the college game uh, and, you know, a rising coach associate head coach now for Indiana, things go well there. And he gets a shot at a, you know, a mid-major program uh, to run his own, his own program. That was kind of what was expected. It was a, a surprise detour when he leaves to take the same position without the associate head coach title uh, at, at Notre Dame. Um, the second part of that is his sons, which, you know, you've got highly touted, one of them already on the roster, uh, the oldest one, you know, not not considered to be an impact player, but on the roster. Uh, and then incoming freshman who was expected to be, you know, potential starter this coming season as a true freshman, five-star recruit, um, you know, the highest ranked player in the modern era to come to Indiana. Um, and the, an upcoming senior in high school also committed to the program. And I think the immediate kind of gut reaction was, oh, the coach is leaving. His kids are going to go with him. The program's screwed. Oh, Lord. That's, again, I, I think an understandable reaction given the history of this program uh, and the season that we just went through. So I, that one – was surprising and also concerning in what it could have led to. Thankfully, his sons appear to be committed to IU. They verbalized that. Um, Matt, did you ever get the sense that <clears throat> there was going to be more to come um, when Dylan McCullough left? Or was there kind of an immediate, uh, hey, he's going the Suns are making their own decision and are choosing to stay with Indiana and IU is going to move on, you know, and find a different running back coach. And it's just a running back coach that that's leaving. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I, I'm curious from your perspective, how much panic was there coming out of, of Bloomington? Do you think? Um, <clears throat> I really didn't hear much about um the expectation was would be that they would, you know, McCall. And let's be honest, like you said, the oldest one, Dylan the second, um, you know, came from Miami, Ohio. I mean, 
you know, he, he's not transferring, let's say, to Notre Dame and getting a scholarship. Uh, just right. he, that's not going to happen. Um, so, and, you know, I, I think him saying Indiana makes, you know, makes sense for him from that perspective. You know, with Desan, and, um, you know, he just got, he just started. Um, and, you know, even if he, he, sorry, even if he, can you guys still hear me? Somebody's calling yep. my phone. Um, even if he, even if he, um, you know, wanted to bowl, I'm not sure there was a lot of avenue. I mean, you, you know, he's obviously a talented player, but it, it you know, starting in the end and trying to leave mid semester, you know, I'm just not sure that was realistic. So my guess is you, you, you stay, you're, you're, you, you kind of, you know, you're, you just got there, but you know, you started this career, you know, um, and uh, you know, do your own thing. I think it's probably better in my opinion, even though, McCall, Dylan McCullough come die. You got his sons. It might be better for them to be at their own school and not have because you know that could be kind of an awkward situation for his dad. You know if they're not playing or if they're you know whatever it may be, they're unhappy. Things aren't going well. Um, I know it worked out for Indiana and height and I, you know say this now seems kind of you know, maybe hypocritical, but you know when you look at it, it may be the best situation for them to play at a school other than where their dad is at because it just could be an awkward situation for the head coach and those, their position coaches um, if it's not working out and their dad's on staff and, and it could just be kind of uh, very uncomfortable all around. So, you know, we'll see, you, you know, day reaffirmed his commitment. He's the, you know, he's the one that's going to be a senior. Um, you know, obviously it, that doesn't mean a whole lot. And when I say that, because he's not signed, you know, it's just a verbal commitment and that can be changed at any time, but they seem to be all on board with Indiana. Um, you know, my gut tells me that not only for these guys, but for a lot of players, how this upcoming season goes is going to kind of determine the the future for, you know, uh, a lot of things. I mean, I, you know, I think Indiana needs to bounce back and they need to kind of get this, the, the ship righted. Um, I mean, they have another poor season. And I think it's, you know, I think all bets are off on, on what, what some guys are going to do and not going to do. Yeah, that makes that Illinois opener. Uh <clears throat> Very, very important for, for the future, not only of the players of the program, but probably the coaching staff as well. Matt, there are, with coaches departing, there are coaches coming in. Um, and probably the biggest uh, news coming out of that was when defensive coordinator Chad Wilt was hired. Tom Allen is taking back over the reins of the defensive play calling. Um, it has been a few years since he gave that up so that he could be a better head coach. Uh, he thinks he's ready to do that again. Uh, is that something that fans should be concerned about? Uh, or is it more of a, you know, leading Wilt by the hand uh, to, to get that coordinator experience under his belt? And maybe Tom Allen knows that his feet are, are a little bit to the fire and that it, he has to win this year. And he's going to, you know, if, it, if he can't get it done, do it. The best way to get things done is to do it yourself. And that's what he's doing. I mean, I think it's a positive thing. I've never understood. I mean, for some reason, there seems to be like when a when a head coach is a defensive coach and he's also the coordinator, that well, it's that's it's a mistake or it's going to hinder the the why why is it not a big deal that Jeff Brom's the OC at Purdue or um, uh, Kiffin's basically the OC at Ole Miss? I know they had Lebby, but let's be honest, he's basically calling plays. And you go to a bunch of other schools, it seems to be like when it's an offensive coach, it's not a big deal. But if it's a defensive coach, it's kind of like what you know. That's that's not the right thing to do. I think it's a positive. I think this defense will. They, let's be honest. They lost their identity last year. They yep. didn't really look yep. anything like they yep. did in 2000 and um, uh, 2020 under Kane Womack in the years before that. But they kind of lost their identity. It was a very vanilla defense in my in my opinion. There wasn't a lot of the kind of the exotic blitzes or just different creative things they did with players. Now losing a guy like Taiwan Mullen can really. I think we all. Um, underestimated how valuable he is on that defense because there's so many things you can do with him and him missing basically almost the entire season except for like three games really changed how they could play but even when he was healthy they weren't doing a lot of stuff anyway those first few games so I think you're going to get more of the uh, persona you had before and I think it's a good thing and then you know well at some point will he kind of pass the baton like he did with Kane Womack a few years I, that remains to be seen um, that maybe that'd be nice if that happens and, and Wilt can take over and do that kind of a job. But, you know, with Womack, it was really easy because Womack basically had as much or more experience or, or more knowledge about this defense than Allen did because he grew up with his dad who, who, you know, came up with this defense. So it, it's, it's not really an apples to apples comparison because of that, but 
you know, Wilt's very highly respected. He's, you know, known as a really good coach. I mean, the D-line and, and the job that he's done up there recruiting and developing players in Minnesota has been impressive. So I think it was a good hire. And I think Tom Allen taking over the defense, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't see how it's going to impact his ability to be a head coach any more than it would impact if he was an offensive guy and me in the OC. So I, I think it's a positive. And, I, you know, to me, I, I expect the Indiana defense to look like it did a couple years ago. Yeah, the defense looked more like the 2000 defense in, in 2021 than the 2020 season, uh, for sure. Um, next, uh, IU brought in uh, Paul Randolph to be the defensive uh, line coach. He's coming over from Texas Tech. It seems that Allen's hiring guys who have his vision – um, you know, his vision in mind, uh, what came across, they, they all talk about how they're teachers and leaders first, uh, and, and football coaches kind of second, um, behind those attributes, but he, Texas Tech rebounded after a, a three and five season. They went on to beat Mississippi State in the, uh, whatever bowl that they were in, um, what does Paul uh, Randolph bring to this that maybe Kevin Peoples and, you know, prior to that, Mark Hagan had at that position? Because it looks like the talent kind of is there. You bring in a, a couple transfers again from, from the <clears> SEC. <throat> what does Paul Randolph have to do to turn that, that uh, you know, that, li that line around? Is that for me? Yep. Um, well, I mean, I hope so, honestly, Matt. I hope so, because I sure don't know the answer. So and, until, you know, they hired him, I didn't know much about Paul Randolph, but it is interesting. And this is just one game, but I watched um, – I actually watched that Mississippi-Texas Tech bowl game, expecting Mississippi mm -hmm. State to kind of go, to, you know, go up and down the field and, you know, with the, the history between uh, Mike Leach and Texas Tech and how that all – you know, him getting dismissed. And um, Texas Tech's front totally dominated that game. And like I said, it's one game. I'm not saying that means he's going to be a great coach in Indiana, but I was really impressed with how they played, how, how their defensive line played and how they got pressure and, and just really controlled the game. And <clears throat> I think that's what you hope that he can bring to Indiana, a D-line that can can really have an identity, um, can really have a presence, um, you know, hold up at the point of attack, and, and then obviously get pressure. That's been the missing component from Indiana's defense. Even a couple of years ago when they had that good defense with Womack, Kane Womack as the D.C., a lot of the pressure came off of blitzes. They were really – I think they were one of the top teams in the Big Ten in sacks. But, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of that was because of what they did, blitzing and that kind of thing. You need to be able to get pressure with your front four. And hopefully, the, you know, Randolph, um, you know, is the guy that can bring that out in some of these guys that they have on the, uh, on the roster and, and some of the guys they're bringing in, the newcomers. I think what's interesting about these coaches they brought in um, – Wall Bell's obviously a younger guy, but he's been a head coach, so he's got unique experience – all three of these guys are really, really experienced coaches. We're talking like 20 to 30 years of coaching. It's kind of, I don't know if that was on purpose, but part of me thinks it might've been that maybe Allen was looking for guys who have a long history of developing players, um, coaching guys up. I mean, that and, and with Randolph, with uh, Chad Wilt, and then with Craig Johnson, the most recent hire, the running backs coach, you've got guys who have done this for a really long time. Like I said, I don't, I think it could be totally off base, but it just seems to me that there's a common theme with those guys. And then Walt Bell, like I said, is a younger guy, but he's been a head coach. And I know that one of the things Tom Allen was looking for with his OC was preferably if he could find a guy who had been a head coach, because he wants, I think he wants a guy who can just basically run that side of the ball. And then he can kind of focus a little bit more on defense. So, you know, it, the D line and O line obviously will be two of the most watched positions as, as with quarterback this spring. And, and it'll be interesting to see how, the thing how this defensive line changes under Randolph because it just never seemed to click with Peoples for whatever reason. I TJ was right, he just he, there, and I like Coach Peoples, but it just never seemed for whatever reason that him and what he was trying to do and, and the guys he had, it just did not seem to fit. And he was a Walmack guy, I mean, Kane Walmack really liked him, he went out and got him, and then he leaves. So I wonder if maybe what he was trying to do fit more with like how Walmack wanted the front to play as opposed to maybe what Warren wanted. I don't know. I mean, it just never seemed to come together. So hopefully Coach Randolph and, and Will and, and Tom Allen can come together and figure out a way to get this defense line playing at a more consistently high level. Talking, uh, you mentioned Craig Johnson, new running backs coach. He's coming over. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was an analyst in Maryland last year but he's had a lot of NFL experience with the Giants and the Titans. 
he was the was he the quarterbacks coach when Steve McNair won the MVP or the offensive coordinator when uh, Aaron McNair won the MVP? Uh, he coached Chris Johnson when he ran for two thousand yards. Uh, he's coached Saquon Barkley. What does he bring to the position to kind of fill that role of Dylan McCullough, where maybe it's on the field, um, you're not as worried about, but the recruiting side of things a little bit. Uh, Dylan was one of the better recruiters for IU, if not the best recruiter. Uh, you know, is that something that you know you have enough good recruiters on this staff that he could just slide in there, or is it something that? you're kind of worried about because he hasn't gone recruiting in a, in a while. Well, my thought on that is, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I don't think there's going to be and Dylan McCall is a good coach. Mike Hart did a good job. I don't think there's going to be a drop off there. This is a guy who's like you mentioned coached at a high level and, and coached some really good players um, and done a good job. He hasn't recruited since 1999. Obviously a lot's changed, not just in college football, but in our world in the last 22, 23 years social media was not part of recruiting back then. So that to me is the biggest thing. Um, you know, here's my thing about recruiting. If you, I don't, I have no idea how good he recruited back then. You know, I mean, you can't even look up who he recruited because the, there's no, there's no database for it like on two, four, seven, but if he, if you're a good recruiter, you're a good recruiter. Now, will he have to adjust to today's, uh, you know, social media and what kids, how they, how they are recruits are on, um, on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. But if you can build relationships, and if he, when he walks into somebody's house and says, you know, he, they know who Saquon Barkley is. Most of these guys probably don't know who Chris Johnson is because they were probably about eight years old, you know, when he was really good, maybe, you know, around, maybe a little bit older, but they know who Saquon Barkley is. That's, that gives him some cachet and some, and some legit, you know, some credibility. Um, but it's going to be, that to me is going to be the biggest adjustment and the biggest question about him is on the recruiting trail. And yeah, you have a staff of good recruiters, but he's still got to pull his weight. I mean, because you're not only recruiting for your position, you're recruiting areas. And he may be recruiting a quarterback or he may be recruiting an O-lineman or a DN or whatever it may be. And he needs to do a good job because the area recruiters start the recruiting process. And then over time, the position coach takes over. But you need, you know, it's just kind of like a relay race. If your first and second leg do an awful job, it doesn't matter how good your third and fourth guys are, you're not going to win the race. He needs to do a good job to start the race so that when they take the baton, um, they're in a good spot and they can close the deal along with Allen. So to me, recruiting is a question. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good recruiter. We just don't know because he hasn't done it in so long. Any questions, TJ? No, that I mean, that's the <clears throat> biggest concern uh, that I, I think is a, a very fair one um, for, for IU fans. You can't question the resume uh, for Craig Johnson and the work that he's done in football. Uh, certainly incredibly accomplished, and I think uh, from a teaching standpoint, I think a major asset for this program. Um, obviously, the question is going to be, can he help bring in the players that he can then teach? Because it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are, if you can't bring in guys that start at a good enough level and have the physical attributes that, that you need to have to succeed in the Big Ten, uh, it won't matter. Um, so I think that's the biggest question that, that only time is going to tell um, on that for, for Johnson. Um, I, I think that the biggest question that, um, that I've kind of pondered over the past month or so after these changes is, Matt, do you feel like this is kind of – excuse me, uh, these changes are coaching changes happen, which they certainly do. And it's more or less circumstantial, or do you think that there is a larger cultural problem uh, within the IU football program uh, that is causing these coaches to look elsewhere? Um, I guess the question would be, do you feel like there is a larger area for concern that goes beyond just the two and 10 campaign that we last saw? Um, or is it, is that not even a fair question? Is it because kind of where I fall on it is the only thing that matters is the wins and losses on the field. And we're not going to know an answer to the culture questions 
until the games start, and the culture is going to feel great if IU's winning early, and it's going to be rotten if IU loses early. But do you feel that there are underlying concerns that are causing these coaches to look elsewhere? I think it's a fair question, and I'm not trying to dodge it, but I think you kind of hit it on the head. Time will tell. If they come out and have another clunker of a season, then I do think you got to start looking into, okay, there's something deeper than they just had a bad year because they had some injuries, they had a tough schedule, and those were all true. Right. This is a team that was a top 20 preseason team, and it wasn't like a slow decline. It was like you pushed the car off the cliff. It was bottoming out, and it was really, you know, it it, it happened quick. If you can bounce back, um, and, you know, bounce back to me is, you know, the schedule, once again, is not easy. It's, you know, to me, it's kind of flip-flopped. Last year, they started off, you know, it was really tough kind of the first half. Um, not that it got easier the second half, but maybe, you know, this year it's more manageable. The first half and the second half is, you know, pretty brutal. But overall, it's a tough schedule. But if you can get to get back to a bowl game, even if it's just six and six, that tells me that they're really, you know, maybe the culture problems that we're all kind of, um, you know, wondering about or, you know, uh, you know, putting speculating about aren't there. But if you have another real season, then I think that's a legitimate question. And if you've got, if you have more guys, you know, and I say more guys, it's like some more coaches, you know, kind of move on and it's maybe not for what you would consider greener pastures or a step up as far as what their role is, then. Uh-oh, it uh, looks like we lost, lost Matt uh, for a second. We'll get him back on. Uh, but good question, TJ. Um, deep state, deep state. Does not yep. want Matt to answer that. There it yep. is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they cut them off. Uh, just getting to the good stuff. Yep. We have to make sure no, Matt's I, still with us. I I think that it's it's a Matt's right. It is it is not an, a question that that he can really answer. I I I don't expect an answer. It's more just a. I think it's a thought that has to be in people's mind, right? It yep. has to be in your mind with, man, why is Charlton Warren leaving after only one year? Why is Dylan McCullough leaving after only one year? Yep. Why is Kevin Peoples taking a position, a very similar one? Now, I will push back on people saying, well, that's a, it's a, the exact same job. Okay, but he's in the SEC now. I mean, that's that's a step up. I'm sorry. I love IU football, but he got to move to an SEC program, a, a decent one in Missouri. I'm not claiming Missouri is some SEC East power, uh, but that that's a pretty solid program in the best conference in the country. Yeah. Would you so, say that position just eh, means more, TJ? I would say it just means more. It just means more. Yeah, can you, can you guys I hear would me? Absolutely, say that. Yeah, we got you back, Matt. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't I'm know. sorry about that. I, all of a sudden, the Zoom like just kind of froze, and I I wasn't in it. So, just to finish my thought real quick, I, I, you know, TJ's question. I just think to, we're going to know about the culture problems come, you know, uh, you know, late October, early November. We're going to know where Indiana is as far as their record and 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 how things are going. Um, and if they're, you know, I they always say winning cures everything. So you could have you could have some underlying yep. issues, but if you win, nobody knows about it. As soon as you start losing, everything bubbles to the surface. Um, I'm not saying that's what happened. It's happening in Indiana, but losing brings out all the naysayers and the negative stuff and the pessimistic, you know, pessimistic attitude. Um, if they go back, if they come back to winning, all that stuff will be forgotten, and it'll be you know, hey, this program's on the right track and all that kind of stuff. It's just one of those things where time will determine. Uh, you know, where things stand as far as any kind of issues within the locker room and in, within the program. Yeah, I think this, the Illinois, and Matt, we thought you got cut off by by the IU Deep State uh, media for, for getting into to some secrets there. Uh, yeah. But I think this, you, you said by mid to late October, I think you'll know um, by the time IU goes out to Nebraska on on October 1st, where this team is. Uh, you have Illinois, Western Kentucky, Idaho, a trip to Cincinnati, 
all before heading to um, to Nebraska. And Cincinnati, I don't I don't know how good they're going to be, but Fickle's back and that team, and it's a road game. Um, but I think this Illinois game, as much as people pumped up that Ohio State home opener a couple years ago, the Iowa game last year, um, and, and things like that, this is a massively important game for IU football in terms of the future because it, it's you're on a nine game Big Ten losing streak. Um, you, you're playing a team who's you know as Jerry Donardo says on the Big Ten Network, it's a matchup opponent. It's a team that it, playing at home, I you should win this game, um, and, and we'll talk more about that. But if you go and and lose, you're right. All those negative feelings come rushing back, um, and you know I don't know how much this off season is going to wash away and give them a clean slate. I did a lot of damage going two and ten, and as, as some fans call it, LEO and nine in the Big Ten. Um, it, it, there's a lot of damage that they have to repair and, and beating Illinois, even if Illinois is not a good team or if they are, uh, you've got to win that game because you can't start the season 0-1. You, you just can't. Uh, and if you do and you have another, as you say, clunker of a season, you might start you know, you go down the rabbit hole of, okay, you've replaced the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, like four other coaches. Um, the next person getting replaced is the head coach. You're just going down the line um, and things like that. We'll see if IU has the money. Go ahead, Matt. I think the narrative will be if they have another clunker of a season is these challenges have been nothing but rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, Let's be honest. That's what it's going to be, and 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 it's not it's not completely unfair to say it. They have another, you know, two ten, three nine, even four and eight. I mean, I think, I mean, really, you need to get try to get back to six. But I mean, I think you could at least maybe see some progress, even if they're five and seven. I hate to say that, but I think you could, and you're competitive in a lot of the games, um, you know. But I I think to they they need to. They really need to try to get to six wins, and that that Illinois game is massive. It's absolutely massive, as as Sammy said uh, very well. You know, because the next two are games that you should win: Idaho and Western Kentucky at home, and then you know you're gonna you're, you're gonna have a couple of telltale games in at Cincinnati and at Nebraska um, the next two weeks. So you you have a chance. We've said this before. You have a chance in the first six or seven games to make some hay if you come out and you play good football. Um, you know, obviously like you did a couple of years ago, but if you don't, you know, you're going in that second half of the season with only like, you know, maybe three wins, two or three wins. It's, it's going to get, it's going to be a game because you're yeah. playing Michigan state at Michigan state, Penn state at home at Ohio state and Purdue at home, not in that order, but they're all those, those yeah. that's the last four games, I believe. And I think it's back-to-back trips to Ohio state and Michigan. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at the schedule. It's at Ohio state. Well, it's Penn State at home, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, Purdue at home, the last four games. Yeah, I, I believe our schedule is a little bit easier this year. They, they did not rank it the hardest schedule in the country. I think it's the seventh hardest. So you know, <laughs> we, we, we got a break there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I don't think we've talked, at least not uh, on our podcast, since Indiana acquired uh, Connor Bazelak, not with Matt anyway, um, Matt, kind of, what are your thoughts on on that addition uh, in the the quarterback position in general? Uh, it does appear, at least going into the spring, uh, that IU is going to have um, let's see, Soresby as the true freshman from Texas. Another addition we haven't talked about, uh, and a guy with a really intriguing skill set uh, appears to be raw. Um, but intriguing physical skill set for sure from, you know, football-rich Texas. Uh, they'll have him. They'll have Dexter Williams coming back from injury. Donovan McCauley uh, coming back after his thrown into the fire, you know, baptism uh, that did not go very well uh, last season. And then Jack Tuttle returning again from injury. And Connor Bazelak transfer from Missouri. So, um, how do you feel about that position going in? How do you think Walt Bell uh, approaches that position uh, heading into the spring? And do you think IU has done enough to help them 
with that schedule we just talked about at that position. I, I like the quarterback position now. Obviously, they it did not play well last year. Uh, you know, from Michael Penix to Jack Tuttle to, you know, Donovan McCauley, and then obviously Grant Grimmel got a little bit of playing time. Um, as far as Connor Bazelak, you know, obviously you watch his film from when he's at Missouri. He, he, he was, I think, career, he was sixty around 65%, which is pretty good. Um, you know, not going to give you a ton as a runner, but I think if you, now, I say this and we, we all joke about the, if you can protect him, which obviously that's been a major, major issue in Indiana. That's my concern with Connor Bay's like, can you give him yeah. enough time to get the ball out? Cause I think if you do, I do think they have some weapons at receiver DJ Matthews coming back and some of the guys they've added, I think they have some weapons and some of these running backs they brought in that can, that can do some things if you can give him time and he can get the ball out. But that is a major question. And can you run the ball? But I, I like the addition of Bays. Like I thought he was a, I thought he was a quality pickup. Um, and then some of the guys that come out, obviously Don McCauley was just and not, not all his fault was pretty much a train wreck last year. It was, he was not yeah. ready to play. Um, he wasn't prepared, whether that's on him or the coaches, you can make an argument, you know, to me, it's more on the coaching because that's their job. But for whatever reason, he was not ready and it did not go well. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see Dexter Williams because he kind of reminds me of some of the guys that Walt Bell had at, when he was at Maryland, the dual threat guys that could really run. And then you mentioned yeah. Soresby. I think he's the – obviously, losing Hoover was a bummer. He was a really good quarterback. But if you're going to get a guy who's going to be your fifth quarterback, I think Soresby is about as perfect as a guy you can get in this sense. He's a true developmental guy. There's a lot to work with. You mentioned he, you watch him run 90-yard touchdown runs against Texas – competition you know he he looks like he's got a pretty nice arm i know i'm mean, obviously huddle highlights are all the highlights but they're like you said an intriguing skill set and hopefully you're it should be this way he doesn't have to play like you can really kind of bring him along coach him up and let him you know use a year or two uh, hopefully and and get him used you know polish off the rough edges so to speak with him because i do think there's a lot of upside there i thought it was interesting i think it was tom luganville the recruiting guy said that he was one of the biggest steals in the recruiting um, uh, process this year, which was, you know, pretty interesting and in how he's really a late bloomer. So hopefully that's spot on, but I think there's a lot to work with a quarterback. I and mean, let's put it this way. It's better than when you had, you know, five, six, seven years ago and it was Nate Sudfeld and then nobody else. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it was. Um, Cameron. I, I, do, I do think there are some options. I do think there's some talent, but obviously, you know, it's got to be last year was a, just a disaster across the board, especially at quarterback. So, but I think there are some options and there are some guys who can do different things and it's just going to be up to Walt Bell to figure out which guy fits best. And, and hopefully the old line can just be average so they can, you know, give the quarterback a chance to get in you know, the way not, of somebody. Yeah. Not, not get both of his ankles, you know, <laughs> okay. whatever happened to Jack Toto where the guy basically probably couldn't even walk. So yeah. Final here's, question. Here's, here's what I like about Soresby. I and I've talked about this before. <clears throat> I really want Indiana to begin recruiting quarterbacks with a specific plan in mind. Um, I think too often, and this could be on Tom Allen, this could be on Nick Sheridan. Um, I don't know, but I think too often in the past. There has just been a, yeah, we like this player. Let's let's bring him in. Um, I think at quarterback, you need to have similar type players throughout the position so that you can construct your offense in a way that you don't have to go through massive changes when a new player steps in. That you're not always going to have that. Uh, that's not always going to work that way. But I think your your primary focus when you begin recruiting a class should be, hey, we want this type of quarterback, whether that's we want a precision passer or we want a, a real athlete at the position or we want a dual threat guy. Whatever the case is, you decide how you want your offense to be run and you recruit quarterbacks to fit that offense. Um, I think that Soresby, and I, I could end up being totally wrong about this, I think Soresby is the type of player that Walt Bell – wants to have in his ideal offense. I think he wants guys that can get the ball out quickly. I think he wants guys that can be a threat with their legs, 
uh, and you can do multiple you know sets and formations out of it um, due to having a quarterback that can run, not necessarily is a run first guy, but that can run. Um, again, I don't know if that's going to play out that way, but I do like Soresby because I think it's a good fit for a school that doesn't have and won't have in the foreseeable future great offensive line play. And I want to see IU begin to really be strategic about recruiting quarterbacks with a specific vision in mind of the kind of guy you want to have. You can plug in and keep your offense with the same structure. Um, Don't know if that's the best plan to have in place, but I think it makes sense. Uh, And I hope we start to see Indiana employ some of that. Not every guy is going to be the same, but in a general framework, have guys that have similar skill sets throughout that room. I agree. I, I agree completely with TJ. We saw this, and as good as many good things Kevin Wilson did offensively, you went from Nate Sudfeld to, like, I can't remember the order, but you had Xander Diamant, Richard Lego, oh, yeah. Peyton yep. Ramsey. Back and forth. Quite honestly, other than Sudfeld and Lego, nobody was the same. And I can remember Wilson saying, well, the offense doesn't change when Trey Roberson's in as opposed to Sudfeld. That's not true. It's just not true. They're totally different quarterbacks, and you cannot tell me you're running the same plays because Nate Sudfeld does not do what Trey Roberson does, and Trey Roberson can't do what Nate Sudfeld does. And you can't have two different offenses. You, you, this isn't the NFL where you can practice as much as you want and all that kind of stuff. This is college football. You only have you have to have a system, and I agree with TJ, where the guys fit. Now, I, while I do like this quarterback room, they're not all exactly the same. Bazelak and Tuttle, to me, are kind of similar, whereas obviously McCauley Williams and Sorsby are a little bit different. Um, but you know, I think you have to go out and get a transfer quarterback. You're, you're somewhat limited because there's not a whole plethora of options. So you, you go out and get as good a guy as you can get. I think Bayslack was a good pickup, but I think down the road, I agree with TJ. I would like to say, I would like to see more of a dual threat guy in Indiana because, you know, unless you're going to play really fast, play a tempo offense, and you could do that with Sudfeld because he couldn't run and he could get the ball out quick. Unless you're going to do that, you need a guy who can move because, you know, unless you're going to start, uh, you know, f- figuring out a way to get four and five star offensive linemen and really coaching them up and having guys who, who are just like in a basement NFL line, you can't put a non a, a guy who's not mobile back at center behind center and think you're going to be able to be productive on offense. I, I don't personally see it. Yeah, the quarterback position, offensive. I mean, this whole team. You're, you're bringing in almost 20% of a new team in spring practice. But let's switch to recruiting real quickly, Matt, before we get out of here. Um, with the transfer portal, with all these things, uh, players leaving, all that stuff, does the staff have a clear plan of what they want in the 2023 class? Or is it, hey, we have a plan, but if certain people leave, we're going to change that plan? Well, I think you go into every class. I mean, there's certain, you know, I always say you want, you, you like to get a quarterback, you know, you need to get, in my opinion, you need to always get two to three at minimum offensive linemen. Now that, that'll fluctuate depending on your attrition and how you are at that position. But I mean, I just don't think you can go same thing with like dealing. There's certain positions you've got to restock every year because, you know, guys get hurt at those spots or to me, those are the biggest, uh, how do I say this? the um, more, most the biggest washout positions because an offensive lineman in high school, he could look great, but he more than likely, let's say you got a guy at Carmel. I live up here in Carmel who's six, six, 300 pounds. He's dominating. Well, he's dominating guys are a lot of times 250, 260. They might be good players they are playing in the Mick or whatever they're playing it, but you're not going to know for sure. So I, to me, you got to bring in those guys every year. The skill position players are a little bit easier to find receiver, running back corner safety. Um, but, you know, the, the portal has changed things. I think you have – your plan, it's got to be more flexible than it was in the past. Let's put it that way. In the past, you could kind of say, this is what we're going to get at each position. This is what we're going to try for. It may be adjusted a little bit one way or the other, but now it can be adjusted quite a bit. And, you know, you may say, um, we want four offensive linemen, but we're only going to take three high school ones because we need a transfer for sure. We know that already. Whereas in the past, you may not – you know, it may not be that way. So – the portal has definitely changed how you recruit. Um, you know, I remember talked to a coach, an IU assistant. He told me we are recruiting high school guys. We're recruiting portal guys and we're recruiting our own guys not to leave. You are now a three-pronged recruiter as a college football assistant coach. 
Um, kind of ridiculous if you ask me, but it is the way it is what it is. That's where you're at right now. You've got to convince guys not only to come, you've got to convince guys not to leave. So it's, it's, it's not an easy job. And, but I, the, the portal is just part of it now. It's there's, there's no way around it. It free agency has come to college athletics. Matt, I think IU by your count was either at 86 or 87 uh, this week on scholarship counts. Uh, do you see IU that getting trimmed down to where they could take another guy or uh, at least trimmed down to the 85 um, because they have to, uh, what's the future? Is this, who else might leave and, and, you know, who else, if they, they go below the 85, are they looking to add like an offensive lineman or, or something like that? Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to speculate on names of guys who could leave because I don't think that's fair to the player. But I think if, if you look at the roster and you look at guys who are, I always say, look at guys who are either going to be in their senior year or redshirt junior year um, or, you know, maybe fifth year and ha they haven't seen the field. I mean, it's not, this isn't, this isn't, you know, rocket science. You can kind of, you can kind of pick out the guys who basically have not played at all and have been in Indiana for three, four or five years. Those are the most likely guys to leave. Now there could be some surprises. I think there will be multiple additions to this roster before the fall. So even though they're above the 85, I think they will get down far enough that there will be multiple additions. I think they will look for DN bowl type players. Um, I can see them uh, going after an offensive lineman. And I also could see them going after um, uh, some help in this, in the secondary. So I think there will be, you know, and you know, there will be more attrition at just part of college football either before or after spring, some guys after spring will be unhappy with where they're at on the depth chart and they're, they're going to look to go somewhere else. It just happens. It's going to not just happen in the end, but happen all across the country. So I think there will be more attrition and I think there will be multiple additions. So more than one, um, how many, I don't know, but I think there will be more additions to this roster. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we might hear some more names that are surprising that are no longer with the program when they announce the, the spring roster and um, Tom Allen, you know, does his kind of, you know, before the spring address with the, and he'll, you know, I'm sure he'll talk about that, but I think there will probably be some surprise departures. Um, you know, I'm not trying to say I know who, but there will be some guys I believe that won't be here that people might be a little bit, you know, um, taken aback by. All right, thanks, Matt. Um, that's going to do it for the, for the show tonight. Uh, we'll close out with some ads. Uh, but thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, TJ, thank you as well. It's always great to talk IE football, especially in February. Spring practice starts at uh, starts March 5th. Uh, no announcement of the spring game has been released yet. Uh, usually it's in April, but we'll wait for an official announcement there. So thanks, guys, for, uh, for <clears throat> hopping on. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. That does it for tonight's show. We were brought to you by ColorCast. It's a free live audio-only sports talk platform. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league. Uh, come with your spiciest takes and sports drink. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Um, it is our digital water cooler as well. So thanks, guys, for joining us, and have a great evening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget.
To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.